The Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. All right, it's time to get started. Gather around the radio, grab the book, read along with us in your Bible, or perhaps you'd just rather relax and hear the Bible being read to you and for you here on the Bible Live program. We're going to pick up in the book of 1 Samuel. We are following the experiences of the people of Israel coming out of the time of the judges, Samson, the last of the 12 judges. Then we picked up with Samuel. We read about his birth with Hannah and Elkanah, this couple that could not have children. Penina, the other wife, was always persecuting Hannah about not having children. She prayed passionately and emotionally to the Lord. Eli was there at the tabernacle and saw Hannah praying, thought she was drunk, and then promised her that God had heard her prayers. She would have a child, and she did. His name was Samuel, and she had promised already with a Nazarite vow that her son would serve the Lord. And so Samuel, early on, is put into the service of Eli the priest, and that's how the story began. Samuel is that transition person from the time of less emphasis on the priests and more on the prophets, and of course from the time from the judges to the political leadership of the monarchy, the king. He anoints Saul to be the first king. Saul, who come from the tiny tribe of Benjamin, we had just read about the tribe of Benjamin almost being wiped out, so they became the smallest of the 12 tribes. And Saul comes from that tribe, and we've been following his experiences as he disappoints every time. He just did not understand, did not have the vision of God and God's use of the people of Israel. Now David has been anointed by Samuel to become king. I'll pick up and tell you a little bit more as we get into the reading tonight. But right now, let's go to our Psalm 58, prayer for God's justice at a time when there was little justice to be found. Psalm 58, justice. Do you rulers know the meaning of the word? Do you judge the people fairly? No. 
All your dealings are crooked. You hand out violence instead of justice. These wicked people are born sinners. Even from birth they have lied and gone their own way. They spit poison like deadly snakes. They are like cobras that refuse to listen, ignoring the tunes of the snake charmers no matter how skillfully they play. Break off their fangs, O God. Smash the jaws of these lions, O Lord. May they disappear like water into thirsty ground. Make their weapons useless in their hands. May they be like snails that dissolve into slime, like a stillborn child who will never see the sun. God will sweep them away, both young and old, faster than a pot heats on an open flame. The godly will rejoice when they see injustice avenged. They will wash their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then, at last, everyone will say, There truly is a reward for those who live for God. Surely there is a God who judges justly here on earth. End of reading, Psalm 58. We stand and lift up our hands For the joy of the Lord is our strength We bow down and worship Him now How great, how awesome is He This is The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. everyone sing. Well, you look at me that way. <laughs> the earth, <laughs> the earth is filled with His glory. Have you ever noticed how many times the psalmist, particularly David, talks about the whole earth being filled with His glory? All the kingdoms of the world. It was always the vision of God for all of humanity. And those who are in touch with God in the Old or New Testaments, you will always see them understanding that God is involved with the entire human race. There is no favoritism. God is fair and just in all of his ways. There are a whole lot of people talking about social justice these days. But there will be no justice until God reigns in the hearts of men and women. And if he reigns in your heart and your life, you'll become a source of justice and fairness, but it won't be absolute until wickedness is eliminated from our lives and from our world. And of course, that's what God is up to. Right now, though, we're talking about David. He has just killed Goliath. God is working in and through and with him. He's already promised him he's going to be king, but David has to wait 25 years for that promise to become real. In the meantime, he's persecuted and chased by Saul. Saul's son, Jonathan, though, insists on befriending the young David, and it causes a lot of father-son controversy. Let's read about it. 1 Samuel 20, 18 through 25, 1. 1 Samuel 20. Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow we celebrate the new moon festival. You will be missed when your place at the table is empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid before, and wait there by the stone pile. I will come out and shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile as though I was shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him, they're on this side, then you will know as surely as the Lord lives that all is well and there is no trouble. But if I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you, then it will mean that you must leave immediately, for the Lord is sending you away. 
And may the Lord make us keep our promises to each other, for he has witnessed them. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon festival began, the king sat down to eat. He sat at his usual place against the wall, with Jonathan sitting opposite him and Abner beside him. But David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day, for he said to himself, Something must have made David ceremonially unclean. Yes, that must be why he's not here. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for dinner, either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He wanted to take part in a family sacrifice. His brother demanded that he be there, so I told him he could go. That's why he isn't here. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore, he swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want David to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But what has he done, Jonathan demanded. Why should he be put to death? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat all that day, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. The next morning, as agreed, Jonathan went out into the field and took a young boy with him to gather his arrows. Start running, he told the boy, so you can find the arrows as I shoot them. So the boy ran, and Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy had almost reached the arrow, Jonathan shouted, The arrow is still ahead of you! Hurry, hurry, don't wait! So the boy quickly gathered up the arrows and ran back to his master. He, of course, didn't understand what Jonathan meant. Only Jonathan and David knew. Then Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to the boy and told him to take them back to the city. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have made a pact in the Lord's name. We have entrusted each other and each other's children into the Lord's hands forever. Then David left, and Jonathan returned to the city. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Samuel 21. David went to the city of Nob to see Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone, he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I am here. I have told my men where to meet me later. Now what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, the priest replied, but there is the holy bread, which I guess you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women when they are on a campaign, and since they stay clean even on ordinary trips, how much more on this one? So since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. Now Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief herdsman, was there that day for ceremonial purification. David asked Ahimelech, Do you have a spear or sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. I only have the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, the priest replied. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want it, for there is nothing else here. There is nothing like it, David replied. Give it to me. 
So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But Achish's officers weren't happy about his being there. Isn't this David the king of the land, they ask? Isn't he the one the people honor with dances, singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands? David heard these comments and was afraid of what King Achish might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Finally, King Achish said to his men, Must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Samuel 22. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were just discontented, until David was the leader of about 400 men. Later, David went to Mizpah in Moab, where he asked the king, Would you let my father and mother live here under royal protection until I know what God is going to do for me? The king agreed, and David's parents stayed in Moab while David was living in his stronghold. One day the prophet Gad told David, Leave the stronghold and return to the land of Judah. So David went to the forest of Hereth. The news of his arrival in Judah soon reached Saul. At the time, the king was sitting beneath a tamarisk tree on the hill at Gebeah, holding his spear and surrounded by his officers. Listen here, you men of Benjamin, Saul shouted when he heard the news. Has David promised you fields and vineyards? Has he promised to make you commanders in his army? Is that why you have conspired against me? For not one of you has ever told me that my own son is on David's side. You're not even sorry for me. Think of it, my own son encouraging David to try and kill me. Then Doeg the Edomite, who was standing there with Saul's men, spoke up. When I was at Nob, he said, I saw David talking to Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech consulted the Lord to find out what David should do. Then he gave David food and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. King Saul immediately sent for Ahimelech and all his family, who served as priest at Nob. When they arrived, Saul shouted at him, Listen to me, you son of Ahitub! What is it, my king? Ahimelech asked. Why have you and David conspired against me, Saul demanded. Why did you give him food and a sword? Why have you inquired of God for him? Why did you encourage him to revolt against me and to come here and attack me? But sir, Ahimelech replied, is there anyone among all your servants who is as faithful as David, your son-in-law? Why, he is the captain of your bodyguard and a highly honored member of your household. This was certainly not the first time I had consulted God for him. Please don't accuse me and my family in this matter, for I knew nothing of any plot against you. You will surely die, Ahimelech, along with your entire family, the king shouted, and he ordered his bodyguards, Kill these priests of the Lord, for they are allies and conspirators with David. They knew he was running away from me, but they didn't tell me. But Saul's men refused to kill the Lord's priests. Then the king said to Doeg, You do it. So Doeg turned on them and killed them, eighty-five priests in all, all still wearing their priestly tunics. Then he went to Nob, the city of the priests, and killed the priests' families, men and women, children and babies, and all the cattle, donkeys, and sheep. Only Abiathar, one of the sons of Ahimelech, escaped and fled to David. When he told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord, David exclaimed, I knew it! When I saw Doeg there that day, I knew he would tell Saul, Now I have caused the death of all your father's family. Stay here with me, and I will protect you with my own life, for the same person wants to kill us both. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. First Samuel 23 
One day news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, Should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah, the Lord told him. But David's men said, We're afraid, even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Keilah to fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied, Go down to Keilah, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all their livestock and rescued the people of Keilah. Abiathar the priest went to Keilah with David, taking the ephod with him to get answers for David from the Lord. Saul soon learned that David was at Keilah. Good, he exclaimed, we've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in a walled city. So Saul mobilized his entire army to march to Keilah and attack David and his men. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar the priest to bring the ephod and ask the Lord what he should do. And David prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilah because I am here. Will the men of Keilah surrender me to him? And will Saul actually come as I have heard? O Lord God of Israel, please tell me. And the Lord said, He will come. Again David asked, Will these men of Keilah really betray me and my men to Saul? And the Lord replied, Yes, they will betray you. So David and his men, about six hundred of them now, left Keilah and began roaming the countryside. Word soon reached Saul that David had escaped, so he didn't go to Keilah after all. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country of Ziph. Saul hunted him day after day, but God didn't let him be found. One day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you, as my father is well aware. So the two of them renewed their covenant of friendship before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home, while David stayed at Horesh. But now the men of Ziph went to Saul in Gibeah and betrayed David to him. We know where David is hiding, they said. He is in the strongholds of Horesh, on the hill of Hakilah, which is in the southern part of Jeshimon. Come down whenever you're ready, O king, and we will catch him and hand him over to you. The Lord bless you, Saul said. At last someone is concerned about me. Go and check again to be sure of where he is staying and who has seen him there, for I know that he is very crafty. Discover his hiding places and come back with a more definite report. Then I'll go with you. And if he is in the area at all, I'll track him down, even if I have to search every hiding place in Judah. So the men of Ziph returned home ahead of Saul. Meanwhile, David and his men had moved into the wilderness of Maon in the Arabah Valley south of Jeshimon. When David heard that Saul and his men were searching for him, he went even farther into the wilderness to the great rock, and he remained there in the wilderness of Maon. But Saul kept after him. He and David were now on opposite sides of a mountain. Just as Saul and his men began to close in on David and his men, an urgent message reached Saul that the Philistines were raiding Israel again. So Saul quit the chase and returned to fight the Philistines. Ever since that time, the place where David was camped has been called the Rock of Escape. David then went to live in the strongholds of En Gedi. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. First Samuel 24. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, 
He was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 special troops from throughout Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today is the day the Lord was talking about when he said, I will certainly put Saul into your power to do with as you wish. Then David crept forward and cut off a piece of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. The Lord knows I shouldn't have done it, he said to his men. It is a serious thing to attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David sharply rebuked his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord the King! And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. And some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said I will never harm him. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. The Lord will decide between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a flea? May the Lord judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate, and he will rescue me from your power. Saul called back, Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry, and he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been wonderfully kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king, and Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when that happens, you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. So David promised, and Saul went home. But David and his men went back to their stronghold. 1 Samuel 25 now Samuel died, and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him near his home at Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Maon. End of reading, 1 Samuel 20:18 through 25:1. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Some of the amazing life that this young man named David experiences from the time he is anointed by Samuel to be the successor to Saul, the king of Israel. 
he has to wait 25 years from age 12 to 14 to around 38 years of age. And he patiently waits for that promise to become reality. And he has a number of opportunities. We've read about one of them tonight there in chapter 24. David could have killed Saul and all of his problems would have been over. He could have returned healthy. He could have returned strong. He could have become king at that point. We're saying he could have. What if he had done that? We cannot know what if. People say, oh, what if Roosevelt had not instituted Social Security? Oh, we'd be such bad shape. We'd probably be in much better shape. What if even Martin Luther King had not done what he did, the civil disobedience and the race problems that we've experienced as a nation? There's no guarantees of that either. We don't know what if. Maybe God would have accomplished racial harmony in this land in a far greater work of grace and mercy than we can imagine. What if it's only our best guess, but we see here that David does not take that opportunity. He'll get another chance. We'll read about it as well. David will spare Saul's life. Then we will see how God honors that in him. He does not kill Saul. He said, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king and attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. What an amazing thing there, actually, and it has to do with this mindset. David is convinced that the true and living God is reigning supreme in the affairs of men and nations, and particularly in the affairs of Israel. He has taken the promises of God to be true as the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is indeed revealing himself in a special way to this people, calling them to a special existence following him, and serving as an instrument of revelation to the nations around him. So David constantly gives witness to the true and living God, even to the king Achish of Gath. This pagan Philistine king comes to respect his faith. Jonathan is caught up in this situation because of his friendship with David. There is a deep spiritual and brotherly bond between these two young men. Now this Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief herdsman, killing the priests of God, the Levites, and their families, children and babies and even their animals. What cruelty. Very lively reading tonight from the book of 1 Samuel. Sandy called in as well, and we talked a little bit off the air as the reading was being presented. And we talked about the contrast between David and Saul. She mentioned the reason God allowed David to go through all these difficulties and these troubles, which is a very good question. Why? What purpose was served in David's life because of these difficulties? She said basically the reason was God didn't want another Saul on the throne. Uh, there was a clear contrast. David was God's kind of king. Saul was man's kind of king. David was a man after God's heart. Saul was a man after people's praise. David's kingship was God's kingship. He knew that he was only a steward of the throne, while Saul By thought God, that it was his kingdom. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. 
Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word. 